That is a, that last verse is a uh, verse that I have never heard. I love it, by the way. You know, there's a, a story told of an old craftsman who went meticulously about his projects with average speed, but always with skillful precision and earnest diligence. One day, a young lad, about 12, stood watching him. The craftsman turned to the young boy and said, Perhaps you too, like our other neighbors, think I spend too much time on this project. But I have learned long ago that speed should come second to good workmanship. Remember the kindly gentleman told the boy, Years from now, no one's going to ask, how long did this project take? But instead asked, who made this piece of work? Now, I don't know. Maybe his piece of work was something like this. That's evil carving. Or maybe, maybe like this one. Now, both of those carvings hang in my house, and I marvel I marvel at the detail of those and the skill needed for those carvings. Congregation, this old girl called Bethel has been a fixture of Lacombe for many years. Many people have come to our Lord through ministries within her. We have been led by a diverse group of pastors through the years. In fact, as you leave today, as you leave the sanctuary, I urge you to stop And just look and see all the pastors who have led this congregation over the years. And you see that we have truly been blessed by these servants of the Lord. As we have heard in the past weeks from from Pastor Mike, we at Bethel are embarking on our own project. And like the gentleman craftsman who was not concerned about speed, but rather doing the project right, In our church renewal process, we also look ahead with great anticipation. Not how long it's going to take, but how God will use Bethel and the folks within her walls to be a blessing to this neighborhood as well as the citizens of Lacombe. At this point, I would like to invite Lori to come up with her helper, Donna, and they're going to read today's scripture for us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. To God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the new of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. He is good pleasing and perfect will. But by the grace of me, I say to every one of you, do you think of yourself more highly than you ought 
by rendering of yourself a sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you, just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. It is man's gift as prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him go out cheerfully. Love, love must be sincere. Hate what, uh, what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above others. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share your gifts with people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice in those who do not rejoice. Mourn with people who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. It is possible for us, I, as I, I, it has depends on you. Live at people, peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave mine, leave room me to, for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord, on the contrary. If your enemy is angry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will reap burning coals on the head. Do not be overcome by evil, but by evil, overcome, overcome evil with good.
Congregation of our Lord, it is not unnoticed that our membership is thinning. It is not unnoticed that our membership is aging. Those two markers are markers that folks may say leads to a slide in church life. Alas, we are also not of fellowship that resembles the stereotypical ostrich and sticks our head in the sand with the hope that when we lift it out, all will be sunshine and roses. No, when we see an issue, we get down to business and we work on things. As is well known, we at Bethel are going through a church renewal lab where over the next two years, we will be looking at how we at Bethel can restore, rejuvenate this fellowship to be the vibrant, missional church that God calls us to be. The symbol that was picked to represent this initiative is the olive tree. As we open our Bibles in Romans, we recognize without a doubt that Romans is very much a theological book. At least the first 11 chapters are. But as we open a new chapter, we open a new book of Romans, if you will. We move to a new practical side of Romans. It has been said that all theology is practical, and all practice, if it is truly Christian, is theological. In essence, that practical side of Christianity is the works that we do. The deeds of compassion, the feeding, feeding those who are less fortunate, youth going out on a Tuesday night evening to rake up leaves in the neighborhood, youth and adults making a trip to Mexico, which we still hope to do this year, in order to lend a hand and build a house to those who are less fortunate. We also think of acts of love and service in Masquachis. In the same way, our circle of friends, meal that helps those who need of a good meal, or just to be part of a community, to sit down around a table, a community where one feels welcome, like this friendship group. You guys are a team. You are a family, right? Yeah. Also, at our circle of friends, we all can gather for a family meal on Thursday nights, as well as many other acts of service then outside the limelight. On a side note, I just had a conversation talking to my neighbor a couple weeks ago, and he was concerned with his newfound knowledge that we do indeed have homeless here in Lacombe. And he thought it was just terrible that they were going about unfed, unlike Red Deer, he said, where there are soup kitchens and homeless shelters. It really encouraged him to know that there is Circle of Friends as well as other similar church ministries within the Lacombe area to help these folks. Well, not overlooking the many programs and ministries within Bethel, these are all extensions. They're all works of gratitude. Gratitude of these gifts, the blessings 
that we have already received from our Father in heaven. Maybe we haven't even realized it, but our actions to others are a response to Romans 1 through 11, which I said is theological. Chapter 12 starts off with, therefore. It is a continuation because of all that's transpired in the first 11 chapters. Paul says, therefore, or because of all of this, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Because God has done so much in our lives, and as we see how blessed we are by our Heavenly Father, we seek those blessings for our family, for our fellow church members, as well as our community at large. As Keener says, Paul emphasizes that God's will for believers is to think rightly, to recognize the equal value of all members of the body, and to use all of one's gifts to build up that body. The good news of Christ is intended to transform or change the believer. In fact, as Douglas Moo contends, until the individual Christian own and live out theology, the gospel has not accomplished its purpose. We are designed to respond. <clears throat> Very early in life, we learn. All right? If someone maybe gives us a treat as little kids and we don't say anything, pretty quickly our parents might say, what do you say? Thank you, right? <clears throat> We are not created to do nothing. We are created to respond. Paul begins by making it clear that in view of the wonderful salvation of which he's been writing, believers must respond. Respond with wholehearted commitment. Being servants of a God who loves like that means that the whole of life is to be lived in service. In service to God. As a Christian is transformed in their mind and is made more like Christ, she or he comes to approve and desire God's will. It is not his or her own will for their lives. Then they discover what God's will is, what is good for them. And that it pleases God and is complete in every way. It is all the believer really needs. But only by being renewed spiritually can a believer ascertain, do, and enjoy the will of God. Paul does a wonderful job of stressing to us hearers to assess our place within the Christian community. Well, that community is very diverse, which, of course, it has to be, because it's comprised of all of our personalities which has been developed by both our crises and our blessings. By comparing that to a human body, we recognize the differing gifts and know that we can no more separate from each other than an arm can say it no longer wants to be part of the human body. It is said of the olive tree that for most Mediterranean people, the olive tree has been seen, out, seen throughout history 
as almost holy. A symbol of peace, victory, and endurance of life itself, evoking feelings of vitality and health. Is that how we see Bethel Church? A symbol of peace, victory, and endurance of life itself? Evoking feelings of harmony, vitality, and health? Or maybe it's how we envision what Bethel was, or hope what it can be again. A symbol of peace, victory, and the endurance of life itself. Is that life within Bethel? Does life at Bethel evoke feelings of harmony, vitality, and death? And health, I mean, sorry. These are good questions. These are good questions to ask, brothers and sisters. As we move into what could be described as the bread and butter of church life, Paul compares life in church to a human body. In the same way that human body is diverse and yet 100% unified, all the members have a unique and specific task. Just as ludicrous as a thought that a foot decides that because it cannot make itself a peanut butter sandwich and eat it by itself, it will no longer be part of the human body. So ridiculous is a person who may not have the gift of, say, hospitality, that Jane and Sam do, will suddenly cease to be part of the body because they don't see that they are right now filling an equally important role equally vital role with their work in children's ministry. While we may not know how God has equipped each member of this fellowship, we do know that we are equipped and each of us is called to encourage. While we are not all called to say the pastorate, we are all called to encourage. You know, in the forms for marriage in our denomination, we have a line, a vow actually, that both the bride and groom recite before all in attendance. I believe this line is also core to life within a fellowship, like this. Now, I know it's a bit out of context, but how would it be? How would it be as a fellowship if we would commit to truly show love and encourage each other to develop the gifts God has given each one of us. Think on that a second. Let me say that again. What if we treat each other as bride and groom and truly show love to each other and encourage each other to develop the gifts that God has given each one of us? If we all did that, what what could, what would this fellowship look like? The olive tree in which we are somewhat patterning this renewal process under is one of the hardiest of all the trees on earth. Able to survive in salt water and fresh, adapting itself to almost any sunny and temperate environment, able to thrive in most soils, retaining leaves year-round, living in some cases more than a thousand years, 
occasionally bearing fruit for centuries. It is our belief that like the olive tree, Bethel too can adapt, bear fruit, and thrive. Age is not an obstacle. At least it's not if we refuse to allow it to be. Will this be an easy process? Maybe not. But I believe God has already been working in our hearts and minds and that some renewal, some rejuvenation is what God is calling us to. This old olive tree is decades old. Check out that trunk. Isn't that amazing? This tree shows signs of old age. Okay, yeah, it definitely shows signs of old age. But she still bears fruit. Bethel too, she may be old, but she still bears fruit in her old age as well. You know, as I was contemplating this message, my mind went back to a time, quite a ways back actually, when I was in my early teens. My older brother had in mind that to buy a classic car to restore, apparently me and Arnie are on the same wavelength here, <clears throat> my uncle had a chicken farm in Colehurst and just happened to have some old clunkers on it. Amongst those old beaters was a 1963 Mercury, if memory serves me correctly. I might be a little off on that one. My brother had his heart on buying it, which, as I recall, had some pretty cool features on it. So we, my dad, my bro- older brother, and myself, went down to my uncle's farm to make a deal if we could. As we arrived, my brother, no doubt, anxiously looking around for the Merc, came back to reality quite quickly as my uncle had to give him the heartbreaking news that he sold that car just the previous week. My brother was absolutely devastated. His dreams up in smoke. While we were in the area, Dad suggested we go to Lethbridge and visit our grandparents. So, reluctantly, my brother said, fine, right? So we went there, and my brother was, yeah, he's down, of course. He was moping about the house. So Grandpa asked him, what's the problem anyway, right? And he, Grandpa always hated it if we were down. After hearing his lament, he said, well, why not just buy my old truck? a 1955 short box international. The very truck my brother and I used to sit in every Sunday that we visited Oklahoma. And we used to sit there and there. If I had this truck, I would. I would paint it red. I'd put a big engine in it. I'd put big slicks on it, mag wheels. And the upmanship would go on for hours between the two of us. Well, my brother did buy that truck, which, when he got it, looked a little bit like this one in the photo. Well, for the next number of years, he sanded, filled, ripped apart, put back the truck, engaging his little brother in the process when he could convince him to offer some free labor. Restoring that truck was a long and arduous process. When he was, 
But about two years, two to three years later, I guess, once he got his license, we went to Lethbridge to show Grandpa the renewed pickup, complete with stock racks that he made that were inscribed Pride of 55. While it was the same truck, the renewal process that changed that truck to a version that Grandpa barely recognized. You could say that Pride of 55 was renewed. You could say it got a new life, a new purpose. No longer was it to sit on the corner of the property, only occasionally started to pick up a load of water. Incidentally, 40 years later, my brother still has that truck. And it looks very similar to the version that we drove up as teenagers to show Grandpa. Restoration of that truck took a good deal of time. For my brother Leon, it was not work. It was a labor of love. While it was the same truck, Grandpa barely recognized it. It was different on the outside. It was different on the inside. But the engine that moved that truck was the same force that transported both Opa and us. I guess that's a parallel with our process. Things may look a little different in the months to come. A little change here, a little change there. But the engine that drives us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, remains constant and continues to call us to communion, to holiness with our Lord and Savior. I believe there's a small parallel between this truck and Bethel Church, especially seeing as they're about the same age. Bethel is just a little older. She's from 1953, and this truck is from 55. Bethel has been renewed, renovated a number of times, but her foundation is strong. And likewise, all that we hope to do in the months, possibly years ahead, it's not really hard work for us because for us, it's also a labor of love. Incidentally, the truck is also now going through a reno again. But that's where the parallel ends because it's time her engine finally has to be replaced. Well, Bethel's engine, our engine, it's always good, isn't it? Holy Spirit is always good. In the book called Embers to Flames, which we are studying as part of Bethel's renewal team, renewal team sorry, is a quote I would like to share with you all. The object should not be church growth, but church health, because growth must proceed from health. The author states that he did not have a growth mark on his wall of his house and say to his kids, you have to be that tall by next year. No, he knew that a healthy body grows. So too with Bethel. As we strive for a healthy church. And what does that look like? I'd like to close this message today by reading from the passage again, but this time I'd like to do it from the message. It's a bit of a different translation, I know. In fact, it's a paraphrase, but I believe it really captures this message beautifully. See if it doesn't impact you as it did to me. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, 
ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't be so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I am speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people that are bringing goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand our lives is by what God is and by what he does for us not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger and a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead, be what we were meant to be, without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other, or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get too bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with a disadvantage, Don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you 
got in on it, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person a lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Amen. Let's pray.